Hey, Ryan. Yes, good sir. Good job on that um, Bill Conti interview. No joke. Oh, hell of a job. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate that, truly. I do appreciate Mike pushing you over the edge because it made for a really interesting part of that conversation. And also, he seemed to take it in stride, which was really cool. Well, yeah, he both owned it uh, figuratively and literally. You know, even his insight into how every medieval fanfare is based on that same tritone. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. It was clear which two songs I was talking about, right, though? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go in the distance. Hey, you like that? <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I was so mad at myself. Fly. I don't know why I read somewhere that there was some kind of conflict between him and Stallone. That's why Rocky Four never happened. That was my total takeaway, too. And I was like, there's more to that story. More than he wasn't asked. Why wouldn't Sly ask him? When I did the interview with Vince Ticola, he did mention that there was some sort of falling out between Bill and Sly. Yeah. Yeah, that was my memory, too, when, when I spoke to him. If there was or wasn't, what I got from Bill was he was like, you know, I admit I was a little bit upset I didn't get asked. It seems like they wanted me for part five. There you go. And part six. He seemed to be pretty forthcoming about saying there's no mystery. You know, I just wasn't asked. What is his take on it. Yeah. Which could be completely true from his, his end of things. Yeah. Whether he suggested a sound and then Sly was like, no, we want a different sound. But which doesn't make sense because in that interview, Bill says he wanted something different. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows anymore when it comes to Sly sometimes? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I rented the movie on YouTube. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It's five, <laughs> it's five bucks down the drain. Actually, we shouldn't give it away right now. I shouldn't, I shouldn't give it away. Why did you get it on YouTube? Didn't I, Andy V send it to he, us? He did, and I really appreciate that he did. And for me, guys, personally, I like captions. And this movie was horrible audio, and I'm glad I got the captions. You guys don't have to, but for me personally, I'm going to use this to kind of cue me with the. I, I wrote notes, but I found that this is not a very in depth movie. I'm looking forward to Doug's plot synopsis. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. <laughs> so if you guys want, you can look to the screen as I'm looking to the screen and it'll help cue you guys. Who wants to start it off? We're officially on a live podcast, or it's not streaming out to the ethos. This is the portion of the podcast that people are going to start listening to. Sure, sure, why not? All right, cool. Hey, before we get into Lord Flatbush, Ryan, I just want my birds to uh, to chime in. Sure. No, uh, <laughs> I want to say if anybody's listening to this and they haven't already listened to Ryan's interview with Bill Conti, stop this recording because you're not going to get any value out of this. And go listen to Ryan's conversation. If you're at all interested in Stallone and more importantly, Rocky, Ryan's your conversation with Bill was excellent. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. It was a real honor and privilege to talk to Mr. Conti, and it was an amazing experience. Something I never thought I would ever do. You know, here's young Ryan three and a half decades ago watching Rocky for the first time, and little did I know that I would actually talk to the composer of that great theme and, and uh, score for those movies. So, yeah, great privilege. Thank you, Craig. You're very welcome. It was extremely well done. And I got to say, he was a, a great sport. A man of his age, his recollection seems on point. He was willing to put in the time with you, too, which is really cool, even though you called him an hour early. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I swear, I punched him Pensacola because that's – what his publicist told me where he was at was Pensacola, Florida. I'm like, okay. I punched that in, and it matched the time on my computer. So I'm like, okay, we're in the same time zone. But I guess he's just close enough to Alabama where we're not in the same time zone. So, oh, well. I never would have thought that there's any part of Florida that's in the central time zone. Neither did I. That was the first I'd ever heard of that, Doug. Mm-hmm. Likewise. So I wasn't completely off my rocker then. 
No, uh, but I would agree with Craig. You did a phenomenal job with that interview. Bill Conti seemed um, more than gracious, and I, I hope that was not put on. I really hope he was as nice to you as, as he appeared to be on the recording. He was awesome. He was awesome. In fact, uh, for the record, he, he thought the interview was only going to be a half hour long. And so we actually took a 10-minute break. <laughs> and he was totally gracious with his time. It wasn't until that last half hour where I kind of powered through things. And I, and I had things I wanted to ask him. And I was, that's why I was saying like I could talk to him for another three hours. Because there were things I just didn't get a chance to ask him. I wanted to ask him about Masters of the Universe. you know, And I just, just, it wasn't, oh, yeah. just wasn't enough time. Let's uh, introduce who we are. I'll start. I'm, uh, as was stated, I'm Ryan. I'm, I'm the host with my brother Ruben. Not of late because of our just me not living in the same town as Ruben anymore. People that listen to the show know the whole story there. Uh, we do uh, the Rocky series and other such topics on the uh, Going the Distance, the Rocky series podcast. And this is such a topic right now is where we join forces with you two guys. So those are my feed. Uh, Surprise! if you're listening to this episode, I don't know who these guys are, but why do you guys introduce yourselves and where you come from? I'm Doug. My podcast is Rocky Minute. We cover the Rocky movies in great, great detail. One minute of movie time at a time. We have two full seasons and we're currently recording for season three. So stand by season three to be released probably later this fall. Nice. And I'm Craig Cohen with the Slycast. On the Slycast, we take a year-by-year uh, -year journey through Sly's career and we're taking our time doing it. Uh, we're currently in the um, early 90s. We've got a whole archive of episodes for you to go listen to while we prep our next episodes. It's no, year by not. year, meaning oh, it's in real time, right? Like, Craig, <laughs> you're taking as much time in between movies. Yes, we're replicating Sly's actual schedule Good. Uh, <laughs> when he was filming. Well, I was going to say, there's uh, two releases I'm really looking forward to hearing. Uh, Judge Dredd, is that on the go? <laughs> oh, my God. Guys... I don't know what it is. That has been one of the most difficult edits for me. I sit down and I edit it and I spend feels like two hours and then I'm like, wow, I made it four minutes. It's <laughs> if I have any idea what childbirth is like, I think Judge Dredd is it. Give that one to Jeff Ferry because he's not doing anything right now. <laughs> Craig, we have that interview that you did with me about Creed 2. Yeah. So, so Ryan, at this point, I think it'll be an archival release where we'll you know on the we're coming up on the out of the one year anniversary of creed 2 there you go so i figured that would be a perfect opportunity to release that and it's really interesting ryan because seeing our opinions my opinion your opinion and mike kunda's opinion especially on creed 2 when it was released as opposed to today mm. i'm sure everybody's feeling have changed a little bit you know what would be interesting is to do an updated review of creed 2 and see how that compares with their initial reactions, for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah. With the exception of the Drago portions of that movie, a lot of people have sort of turned around on it, and it doesn't seem like it, it gets as much love as it did when it hit theaters. Okay, well, I'm just going to say right now then, because who knows when mm -hmm. I'll get the Creed 2 on my, on my uh, show, because it's going to be a while. And I've actually contemplated, for my listeners, I've actually contemplated how much am I going to cover the Creed franchise, because it is the Rocky Series podcast, and I do have an end game in mind. Like, when Rocky Balboa was done, that was initially the end game. Keep the feed out there archived and uh, start another podcast. Mm -hmm. But Creed 1 and 2... I think how I'm going to do it is I might just cover the Sly scenes. And I'll tell you something here. I'm not a big fan of Michael B. Jordan. I don't care. The guy's never going to come on my show. There's something about him. And, you know, Carl Weathers, for example, when he came off that bravado in the Rocky franchise, you didn't dislike Apollo ever. Right. He had a likability. I found myself with Creed 1 
warming up to Adonis a little bit because of maybe just the way he is and what he's raised. But it's like, oh no, he was raised in a beautiful home, so he's a privileged person. I'm torn about Michael B. Jordan, maybe as a, re- a person in real life. I, I don't know what it is. And also, Tessa Thompson, same thing. I think she's a horrible actress. I think she's a terrible actress. Uh, I really do. And when she's on screen, she is boring. She is not captivating. She does not grab me. And, um, of course, they're both black, which makes me seem like a total racist. And that's not it at all. I think that's part of the problem with the Creed movies. Yes, is I think I people try to talk themselves into liking them because they're black actor I- and actress. Let's just talk about Black Panther. That was directed by Ryan Coogler. To this day, I have yet to finish the last half hour. I don't know if the direction is at fault. I was bored. That is a very boring movie. And I'm afraid I, I'm not allowed to say that. Like, I feel right. like we're not allowed to say that. Black Panther feels like it could have been trimmed by about 20 minutes. I thought Michael B. Jordan's character was, I think he was an excellent villain. Hmm. And I think his, his performance was appropriate. I've watched that movie once. It was a little bit of a chore to get through. It is a bit of a chore, which is the first time any Marvel movies made me feel that way. The guy that plays Black Panther, he's really charismatic. I forget his name, and I think it's hard to pronounce, too. He's great charismatic as the Black Panther. When he's on screen, he's like he was a non-issue for me as far as playing the character Black Panther. But the story itself, and I know Coogler had a hand in writing that. I'm not trying to crap on these guys because they obviously have more talent than I'll ever have when it comes to making movies. It's just... As a audience member, it's their job to entertain me. That's what they're doing. I mean, uh, and I'm the ticket buyer. And I just feel like with the Creed films, I'm kind of torn. Some of the backstory stuff we've heard, or sorry, inside stories we've heard, especially with Creed 2 and how Sly was treated. I feel like he was pushed out. I feel like right. it, I just it kind of breaks my heart because I'm a Sly fan first. I'm, these are the new kids on the block. Creed 2 would not exist without the Rocky character. No, and Creed 2 wasn't bringing in Creed fans. It was... The Rocky fans were the real, the real audience oh, yeah, for the Creed movies. Of course. There was a generation of Creed fans that came out of seeing a great boxing movie, but sure. wide majority of people that went to see those movies are Rocky fans. Yeah, but in all fairness, if Sly wanted to make another Rocky movie, he should have just he should have lobbied to have the Creed movies called Rocky Seven and Rocky Eight. Well that's the I irony. Mean, he didn't yeah. he didn't he didn't yeah. he actually turned it down. He actually really didn't want to do this, but he you know he loved the Creed script. It was a good script. I mean look there's a lot of great I love those films. Don't get here here's the thing I'm torn because I there's like you're saying Craig, there's lots of parts of the film that I love. But the parts that I love are all the Rocky parts and then in part two the Drago parts and the Rocky parts. Every time Sly's on screen and the Rocky characters on screen, you're just totally engaged. You're like, oh, good, he's back. Oh, good, he's back. Mm-hmm. There's a, a definite difference in the chemistry between Rocky and Adrian and Adonis Creed and, and uh, what's her name? Christ, I can't. Bianca. <laughs> Bianca. That's how unmemorable their chemistry Very was. Very good point. Scenes. Uh, you know what the main problem is? There's there's two problems with the Creed movies. He didn't have a Pauly, mm. and he didn't have a robot. <laughs> yeah, he did have a robot. Tessa Thompson's acting. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> but I mean, I think I think one of the biggest mistakes that Sly made as a screenwriter with Coogler on that first Creed was killing Polly. There was no reason to do it. Well, I think Coogler didn't write Polly. I think also there would have been so much potential to inject the Polly character into that universe. It could be argued that Polly was racist. <laughs> I mean, we kind of saw it in Rocky Three, and I think it would have been really interesting mm-hmm. to see Polly interacting. You know, with those characters. 
these are going to be the discussions that we're going to have, and I hopefully we'll have you guys on as guests as I've had with other seasons. Uh, when it comes to the Creed films, they'll probably be just shorter seasons. For those who are listening who love the Creed films, I just want to say, don't stop listening to my show. I do love many, many parts of the Creed films. That's the debate, and the fact that some of the debate is, is Creed a part of the Rocky franchise? There we go. So, I think we're kind of beating around the flatbush here because we're... Uh... Oh. <laughs> oh, man. You're full of them today. <laughs> Doug, are you ready for the synopsis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, see, I had a problem. I had a problem here with writing the synopsis. Okay. Because I found myself quarter way through the movie and I hadn't written anything down because there was nothing to write down. I didn't know how to summarize this movie. So what I did, uh, I cheated a little bit. I went to Wikipedia and took their synopsis. Sure. That's fair. It was barely a synopsis. <laughs> I know, but it's it's more than what I could have come up with. So here we go. Set in 1958, the coming-of-age story follows four Brooklyn teenagers known as the Lords of Flatbush. Mm. The Lords chase girls, steal cars, shoot pool, and hang out at a local malt shop. The film focuses on Chico, played by Perry King, attempting to win over Jane, played by Susan Blakely, a girl who wants to do little with him. Stanley, Sylvester Stallone, who impregnates his girlfriend, Franny, who pressures him to marry her. Stanley agrees to marry her, even after finding out before the wedding that Franny may never have been pregnant in the first place. Butchie Weinstein, Harry Winkler, is highly intelligent but hides his brains behind a clownish front, which uh, took all of about two minutes to detail in the movie, while Wimpy, Paul Mace, is a loyal follower in awe of Chico and Stanley, and this guy, I don't even know why he's there. Well, you'll never have to worry about Paul Mace again. Is he dead? He's dead. And Paul Mace played Wimpy Mergolo, and he was kind of like the smaller version of like these four guys are all kind of especially Perry King and Stallone. They're pretty in real life. They're pretty big guys. They're pretty strong big guys. They're kind of like mm-hmm. big gun Doug over there. I'm kind of like Henry Winkler and Craig. You're kind of like Paul Mace if you were. I just do it. But that being said, the actor Paul Mays, who played Wimpy, he died at the age of 33 in a car accident. Now, check. That's sad. Yeah, it is sad. And that was actually nine years after this film was made. What's even sadder? Earlier that year, his wife died in a different car accident at the age of 39. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? So, both husband and wife, the same year, in, different, in two different car accidents, pa- passed away. Wow, and she was six years older than him? Yes. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so that's kind of a, a sad piece of history. But that being said, it doesn't change the fact that Paul Mays was this a great actor. sucks. Yeah. Can we just jump right to the lead here and talk about how we really wish that the director had chosen to side with Richard Gere here because then we wouldn't be talking about this movie? Why don't we talk right away <laughs> about the Richard Gere incident? Sure. So the Perry King character, Chico, was supposed to be played by Richard Gere, and, and they got as far as what? Rehearsing? Rehearsals, and um, they may have done some footage, because I have the uh, the quote here that Stallone himself gives about the Richard Gere incident, if you want to hear it. Sure. And, I, and it's fair to Sly that he actually, Sly himself doesn't paint himself in a great light as well, because they're both young at the time, uh, and brash, probably individuals, A-type personalities. So he says, we never hit it off, him and Gear. He would strut around in his oversized motorcycle jacket like he was the baddest knight at the round table. One day during an improv, he grabbed me. We were simulating a fight scene, and he got carried away a little. I told him in a gentle fashion to lighten up. 
but he was completely in character because of such was impossible to deal with. Then we were rehearsing at Coney Island, and it was lunchtime, so we decided to take a break, and the only place that was warm was in the backseat of a Toyota car. I was eating the hot dog, and he climbs in with half a chicken covered in mustard, with grease nearly dripping out of the aluminum paper. And I said, that thing is going to drip all over the place. And then he said, don't worry about it. And I said, hey, if it gets on my pants, you're going to know about it. He proceeds to bite into the chicken, and a small, greasy river of mustard lands on my thigh. I elbowed him in the side of the head and basically pushed him out of the car. The director had to make a choice. One of us had to go. One of us had to stay. Richard was given his walking papers and to this day seriously dislikes me, end quote. All right. <laughs> Look, they didn't like each other, and they're not the first actors to not like each other. They're not the first humans in the same working place who don't, don't like each other. It's fair. The director says, Look, you guys can't work together. <laughs> we got to recast one of you, and they chose Sly to stay. But in 1975, yeah. 74, that's ballsy of Sylvester Stallone saying it's him or me. Because Gear was an established actor by that point, was he not? Yeah, I mean, he had done what? His big breakout was American, Officer, American and- Gigolo? Or, oh, American Gigolo wasn't until 1980. His first movie was 1975. So this was one of his first gigs, and he got fired off his first gig. His first oh, movie okay. was a 1975's Report to the Commissioner. And Lords of the uh, Flatbush came out in 74. So Richard Gere was an unknown at this time. They were just two struggling actors fighting for, uh, jockeying for position. Well, you have to wonder if the director saw more potential in Stallone or was more responsive to the fact that Sly was able to contribute from a writing perspective. Because it's my understanding that Stallone tweaked a lot of the dialogue in this movie. He added some additional dialogue, and I can guarantee you where that dialogue was added. So we got the synopsis. This was directed by first-time writer-director Martin Davidson, and it was also co-directed, and and it was co-directed on the film as well by producer Stephen F. Verona. So the two of them, Stephen and Martin, directed this film. Stephen Verona and Martin Davidson both also wrote it, but it says here, yes, Sylvester Stallone gave some additional dialogue, and I, I guarantee you that additional dialogue was Sly's dialogue. In that one scene by the pigeon coop? Yeah. I thought it was remarkable the way they made Stallone look like a big hulking character. He's not a big guy in real life. So that's the first really big problem is we get them, you know, being delinquents. You know, they're out front of a school. I don't know how it was for you guys. When they go in the classroom, (laughs) you're like, what are these 25-year-old guys doing in high school? (laughs) I've got the movie playing in the background here. To help cue us along. They're out there uh, outside the school. And I thought when I first saw this film, I didn't read any synopsis. I went to this cold. I had no idea what this movie was about. Only from what I've seen on the front cover that there are four guys wearing leather jackets with Lords of the Flatbush on the back of the jackets. And I thought they were like a motorcycle gang or just obviously a gang in general. And they're harassing girls and people as they walk into class. And I thought it was a university class. I thought at least it was a university campus. It yeah, turns I had out... I no idea this was a high school movie. It's... <laughs> This is just, uh, speaks to bad writing and bad everything because Stallone and Henry Winkler were both 28 at the time of this filming. Mm-hmm. Nothing as bad as the story is, nothing would have been lost further had they just made this a university classroom. Right. The setting really plays no part. The no. school setting plays no part in the plot if there is one. In fact, you could argue that the characters are acting in many ways, well beyond their age. The whole the marriage idea and all this stuff. Though people did get married at young ages, but they're still literally in high school. Mm-hmm. 
the four guys are all smoking outside and uh, they're combing their hair. They're all pretty bad. You know, there's a party like, well, these guys are bad. These guys are bad dudes. But they're basically just class clowns. Yeah. They're not a gang by like traditional gang standards. They're part of a sports club. <laughs> sports well, that's, club? That's the joke that they keep. Yeah, they're athletic social club mm-hmm. because they play pool together. Uh, and uh, stickball was stickball a, a thing? Weren't they playing something? Yeah, they're playing stickball. So there's stickball. Do you want to, you want to talk about yeah. the Rocky influences that come up in this film? There's a few of them <clears> as we go through them. But you brought one up there, Doug. The stickball sequence. Mm-hmm. I want to point out something before we continue with this. Now that we're on Rocky, real quick, Perry King, who's I guess by all intents and purposes the lead right character yes. in this. Perry King, good-looking dude. When Stallone was pitching. Rocky to the studio, they had a screening of Lords of Flatbush so they could see Sylvester Stallone in action. Yeah. They greenlit the movie thinking that Perry King was Sylvester Stallone based on his portrayal in this movie. So they thought that Perry King was the one that was going to be playing Rocky. Which is wild because I I don't know if your mileage may vary, but I don't think his performance in this movie is good at all. No, <laughs> no, but I guess they, they said like a, you know, a tall, good looking guy who, you know, even though he's kind of blonde hair, blue eyed, could still play a, an Italian guy. Sure. Why not? Robert Redford was in a running also. Yeah, they greenlit it based on that. Yeah, Perry King, he definitely has a more standard Hollywood look to him. But also in many ways, there's times where he's almost like a sly lookalike. Yeah, I'd see they, they resemble each other in some scenes. So this poor teacher, now, you guys went through high school, I went through high school, and why is it in movies that the high school class is completely, the teacher leaves the classroom, the class goes completely bonkers when the teacher leaves. They play pranks on her desk, they write offensive terms on the board, they just go completely nuts. Yeah. It's the whole, you know, when the cat's away, the the mice will play kind of mindset. Did you guys ever experience this kind of jocularity in your childhood or no? Not, not to not, this level. Yeah, not to that not to that degree. No, I mean, we all kind but, of fooled around, but I mean, the whole idea that they're just all in on causing chaos for this poor teacher. This might be a sign that I'm getting older. I hated the guys for doing mm-hmm. this. I hated every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. nobody thought they were... I this, think that's more of a, a comment on where you're at now, Craig, than <laughs> where yeah, you were but back it, It's not even like she was mean, either. If they had made her a mean teacher, it might have played a little bit better for me. But, I mean, she's taking attendance and she's, you know, it's homeroom. I mean, how mean can a homeroom teacher be? Mm -hmm. Agreed. So we got uh, our first kind of sly moment here. He's goofing around. She separated uh, Stanley and uh, Chico because they're fooling around. So he's told to sit at the front. And he sits down, but he doesn't like where he's sitting because he says there's a draft coming in from the window or something. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Or a glare. Come on up here, Mr. Rossiello. Oh, I am keeping you separated like this so we don't have any more of that delinquent behavior that we've had in the past. Is that clear? <laughs> Mr. Rossiello, what do you think you are doing? Well, there just seems to be a draft rolling across that seat. I just thought I'd move back so I wouldn't get the draft. All right, but just don't make me throw you out. Oh, no, I <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was clever. I thought it was a fun character moment. Yeah, so far in the film, I'm just thinking, okay, this is totally not going where I thought it was going. It's a little bit silly. It's a little bit Fast Times or Ridgemont High type thing. We've got these four 
dudes, everyone's just chewing gum this whole movie, by the way. Everyone's just chewing gum. Chewing gum and smoking cigarettes. Or having a match in your mouth while you're smoking. Do you remember that part? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, Sly, uh, Sly had a match in his mouth while he was smoking. He was channeling his Cobra Eddie. Uh, <laughs> that's where he got the idea. Man, there's things in this film that he remembered and took with him in further films. Think about this movie was 11 years before Cobra. That's it. Jesus. A lot can change in 11 years. It's amazing how much can change in 11 years, yeah. What I also thought was interesting about this film was not only was the sound quality terrible and the editing terrible, but I love how there were so many scenes that were out of focus. <laughs> the focus wasn't right. Yeah, well, I got to say that this is probably a really good example of low-budget filmmaking in the 70s, and there's probably a lot more films like this than, let's say, like a Mean Streets or a Rocky. Hmm, that's fair. What was the budget on this? Very low. I actually forgot to look. I mean, I know it was the box office wasn't listed because it was so low. Um, let's see here. Okay, so the, oh, the box office was four million in 1974, which is almost like 20 million today. So it wasn't a complete dud. No, and now on Rotten Tomatoes, it has like 65 percent like approval. There's not a lot of reviews that generate that 66 percent. All right. You're right. It wasn't a complete bomb. It was a low budget. There's no way the movie cost four million to make. So it made its money back for sure. There's no way this movie cost oh, yeah, four million. Yeah. I mean, Rocky one two years later was one million dollars. So we got a scene here: the four guys playing stickball. And let me just say, there's a few things in this movie that just wouldn't work today, as far as the Me Too movement goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the catcalling and the you know the grabbing women and stuff. That's I mean. It wouldn't translate today, but again, this is 1958 when all this kind of crap was going on. Do they establish the year? Not in the film itself, but just the idea of the way they're dressed and they're, they're in the malt shops all the time. It said that in the synopsis that it was 58. Oh. But not in the film itself. They don't mention it's the 50s necessarily. Ah. This movie was filmed in 74. It's taking place in 1958. That's only 16 years prior. Isn't it weird that 16 years ago was what for us was 2003? If you That's were, insane. <laughs> you just blew my mind. So if you were to film a movie today that was based in 2003, your mind doesn't go to a different era. Yeah. But in the all. 70s, they were already looking at the late 50s as a different time. You know, the jukebox, the malt shops, the greasers, and the preps. Why is it nowadays that that kind of changed in a decade and a half? There's no um, identity in 2003 compared to 2019, the way there was between 1958 and 74. I think you nailed it, Ryan. There's not as much going on culturally in terms of shifts and stuff like that. And maybe it might take 30 years for us to really notice a market, you know, markedly different look between 2003 and 2019. You could almost argue that the late 90s were the last real definable. I think the 90s is, is kind of the, the sticking point. This scene here with them playing pool. Yes. This wimpy and, and this, who is this guy? This is the only character moment for Wimpy, right? Yes. Okay, what, what are we doing here? I have no idea. I felt that way when it was over. Mm -hmm. There was a part of me where another movie was happening. I thought we were going to take a dark turn here. I thought this guy was going to like shiv Wimpy in the pool hall, and the three guys are going to have to like do some sort of revenge, gang-like revenge on, the, on Wimpy's death. Because this right. guy comes in with a business suit and tie. They're at a pool hall. For our listeners, there's a scene here where Wimpy's at a pool hall playing pool by himself. It's a public pool hall, so another guy walks in. He's wearing a shirt and tie. He's a little bit older, but not much older than Wimpy. 
And they're making conversation, and part of the conversation is he notices the this business attire guy notices that Wimpy looks like he's in a gang. So he's like, oh, you're part of a gang, huh? What's your gang all about and all this stuff, asking them questions. Hey, what kind of a thing is that? Yeah, Lewis, it's kind of club or something? Yeah, it's uh, what you might call a social athletic club. You know, we uh, play a little ball, bust a few heads. Never hear of the Jays? No, where are you from? Avenue J. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I remember hearing about that. You know, we broke up. Would you ever love this call? You know, you remind me of a guy I used to know. He used to be in the Jays. Little short guy, we used to call him, uh, Mouse. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna call a little fella named Mouse? He's only five foot three. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. First of all, I'm not five foot three, I'm five foot six. And second of all, it ain't the size, man. It's whether or not you got balls, you know? And I was under the impression that this guy knew already, knew the answers. And maybe these guys, the Lords of Flatbush, had done something to kind of upset a bigger gang. My brain was going somewhere where, hey, we've got something going on here. This mysterious character in a suit and tie. And he actually mentions, you know, I used to be in a gang too. I used to be in a gang called the Jays because we were from Avenue J. And we were called the Jays. And so I thought it was, again, going to go towards something of like, you know, but now we, you know, now we run Wall Street, or now we run, you know, the real deals. Now we run drugs, or something, something to raise the stakes. So I was actually really, truly believing this was going somewhere, but it did not go anywhere. No, his only character moment, like I said. Do you see the potential what it could have been with this character? Yeah, I even forgot the whole conversation about the Jays and stuff. Like the right, it could have been a rival gang thing. This is really the only. Seen like in my synopsis that I got off of that beep really looks up to Chico and Stanley and he you know wants to emulate them or whatever. This is the only clue to that because he talks about like all I got to do is snap my fingers and my guys come. I like to know if I get in trouble, I could snap my fingers, man, and the laws come out running, you know. Like I feel good around my friend Stanley, he's what do you call my uh, my insurance? Hey, Will, hey, Stan, Chico, hey. that's it. That's the end of Whippy. Oh, I wanted to say something about the soundtrack. <laughs> Please. So they didn't license any music, right? All this is original, originally written. Please don't tell me that this is produced music because this this soundtrack is a mess. It's, it's, horrible. it's like generic doo-wop. It is awful, beginning to end, crap, doo-wop, garbage. I wondered about that because the songs fit the story a little too well. Yeah, that's what I think. They're all written for it in the doo-wop style. They got like some cheesy uh, down-the-block bar band to record some doo-wop hits for them. Not hits, not hits. (laughs) Doo-wop music. It's awful. The music in this is terrible. So Sly's character, Stanley comes in to quote-unquote save Wimpy because Wimpy goes, you know, I just have to snap my fingers and my buddies come. And Stanley roughs up this poor business guy who's literally, now we find out he's literally there just to play pool. And these guys thought it was funny 
to prank this guy to punk him and just and that they're going to kill him but they don't but they just this poor guy leaves the establishment thinking that his life was on the line that was the whole setup here that's how this scene ends no if he was on avenue j he wouldn't talk like that yeah well i'll tell you something about avenue j i eat avenue j huh hey moose let's say uh, you and me play a little game of pool huh good idea yeah i'll rack him up five dollars a throw right good go ahead and break Give me my dollar back. I think it's my shot. Normally it would be. This ain't no game for me, man. But here we play by my rules. Listen, I'll see you guys around. Hey! Don't do that. Don't do what? What? Hey, who is this guy? He's the guy that's gonna tell me to kill you. Tell you to what? Kill you. Hey, listen, maybe one at a time or something, but not uh, three against one. Hey, you know who I am? Do you know who I am, huh? So you know who I am, I don't like no fucking people I'm coming around here mouth off. You understand? Okay. 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 I don't like... Okay. Take off, Moose, man. See you around. Take off. <laughs> <laughs> I like that guy. He's all right. He's got balls, you know what I mean? Yeah. As long as he can't beat me, he's all right. Come on, when we're up, come on, will you? All right, all right. I don't get it. Again, it just paints these guys as not good people. Like, And again, I might be showing my maturity, if nothing else. When I was 18, I might have felt a lot differently about these characters. It's hard to root for these guys. Yeah, they, they roughed this guy up for no reason and then send him off and they start chuckling at him. After the guy leaves, they start laughing. Do you guys want to talk about this beach scene? So Chico has a girlfriend. Her, the girlfriend's name is... Wait, no, Annie. Annie, sorry. Annie is Chico's. Franny is... <laughs> Yes. See, yeah, that's what a mess this is. Yeah. So, speaking of mess, <laughs> <laughs> well, just wait, just wait. Chico and Annie, they go to the beach for a special little date here, which is kind of romantic. And she's like, "Why are we here? Why are we at the beach?" And to me, it's like, you know, that's actually a romantic gesture to go to the beach. No, really, I thought you were going to take me out for a change. I got all dressed up. Hey, you look terrific. Do I? Yeah. Chico. Do you think maybe tomorrow night we could go into New York City? You know, like, maybe to the Rocks or something really classy? But she's like, why don't we go to New York City tomorrow? And he's like, okay, sure, sure, we'll go to New York. They put the blanket on the beach, and they're sitting there, and they're talking. Chico here, he wants to get it on with his girlfriend. They're dating. Him and this Annie girl, they seem to be dating. And here's where the Me Too movement stuff comes in a little bit. Because she says, Chico, no. Chico, no. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you want this. And, you know, he keeps going, gets his hand under her dress and under her clothes. And she's kind of, like, struggling a little bit, but kissing him at the same time. (laughs) We're led to believe that Chico is some Casanova, right? And he says, just so you know, Chico, this is where Franny and that Stanley's girlfriend got pregnant not too long ago. Chico, you know, this is where Franny got pregnant by Stanley not too long ago. So that's her, I guess, dirty talk. But it's not. She's trying to tell him. (laughs) She's trying to tell him, like, you know, maybe we should slow it down. I I don't want to get pregnant like Franny did. So, again, she's saying no. This is really bad because she's already verbalized no. He hasn't stopped. And now she's saying, look, you're not going to stop, okay, but maybe don't go all the way with me. So he just starts kissing her. And he's just on top of her, but he... Do you guys want to explain it? He, You're doing he, uh, a great job. <laughs> he, he's quick on the trigger. 
Yeah, their clothes are still on. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. He only kissed for 20 seconds. And he, uh, as, yeah. as Annie says, you made a mess. Chico. He made a mess. Right. What's the or, purpose or, of this? I, I don't know what the purpose of any of this is, Ryan. Let's say Annie had been like, all out, let's do this, Chico. Let's. Chico would have made it getting his socks off. If that's all it took for him to do that, it was he, quick. He wasn't able to uh, sustain a twenty-second makeout session. I actually thought that they were in the process. He he was able to uh, seal the deal, and then look look, they're panning out right now. So he's just made a mess, and there's no attempt. He's just her dress is down, his oh, pants are up. Yeah, you, maybe maybe it was through his zipper. That's a dangerous way to do it. Maybe. But <laughs> yeah, and, which is funny because it, it plays into a later scene when he's talking to the guys where they want to, you know, how to go, how to go with, how'd you, how'd you do it? How did you know how to go? And he's like, ah, you know, you know, he downplayed because he was embarrassed. And this is where the teenager stuff comes in. Cause we know as an actor, this guy's 28, but we're supposed to believe he's 17. <laughs> Not even close. I can't, I, I, this is probably going to be a terrible episode because I can't even think of anything to say to this. Craig? I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, the fans voted for us to do this one, so I don't, I don't know what to say. So you're blaming them. <laughs> Craig, why don't you explain what you, you mean by that? Talk about what's going on here. <laughs> I'm bitter. That's basically all it is. Came through in our chats on Facebook, uh, but I want you to tell the fans what they've done here. What the, They're the ones who've made this episode what it is. Look, guys, this movie's horrible. Okay, this is an absolutely terrible <laughs> film. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to make sense of this garbage, and we're trying to do this for you guys. We're taking time out away from our family, our my weekend. <laughs> the, the podcasting is supposed to be fun. I am not having a good time, and I don't know how our, our listeners can have a good time when we're trying to talk about this film where we have guys playing seventeen year olds or twenty eight who are finishing too early. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> this is coming from a group of guys that covered uh, the specialist stop where my mom will shoot. Uh, in, in Ryan's opinion, over the top, and we hate this movie yeah. so much more than that. Yeah, I'll watch Over the Top any day of the week over this. I, I will never ever watch. Oh this wow! Movie. No, this this is terrible. So let's slog on through, guys, and give the fans what they want. Craig, I want you to say what the fans have done. What's happened here? You have put Death Race 2000 how many times up for a vote? It feels like more times than I should have. It seems like the first time you put Death Race 2000 up for a vote. It should win. But obviously, our listeners don't enjoy that movie for whatever reason. Maybe there's not enough Stallone in it. I really don't know. It's a great sly movie to talk about, and our listeners don't want us to talk about it. So there's nothing I can do about it. Well, then let's slog on through this and get (laughs) get it over with. (laughs) Now, Chico is going out with this new girl, right, that he met in class. We're not there yet. So he just had this date with Annie, right? Took her home, and now he's on the phone, and he's calling Jane who is the new girl in school. So he's changed his genes, of course, I would assume at this point. And he's on the phone calling another girl. He's good to go for another date. The girl's father answers the phone saying, look, it's kind of late, dude. Who are you? And he's like, tell her that Carl Eskin is calling, which is not his fake or real name. Hello, uh, is Jane there? Yes, sir. I I realize it's late, but I've been trying to get her. Would you tell her Carl Erskine is calling? Hello, Jane? Yes, Chico from class. And uh, he goes, yeah, it's Chico from class. And the next scene, it's now daylight. 
but they're on a motorcycle together. <laughs> on a, I guess it's like a day date. They spend the whole day together, which in and of itself isn't a bad date. Like Chico, to his credit, I think he kind of knows how to throw a date. <laughs> yeah, Coney Island. You guys know this area better than me. Is that what this is? I think it's Coney Island. That's at the tip of Brooklyn. Yeah, it looks like it. To Chico's credit, he knows how to throw a date. He just doesn't know how to finish a date. <laughs> this is one of the areas where the, the music really pissed me off because there's a, a song playing over this entire date montage that it, I, can't, I can't picture it right now because I watched this a week ago and it's already mostly out of my mind. I have a note here that the song is terrible. montage it is a dating montage (laughs) yeah yeah maybe this is where Stallone got the idea for montages definitely where he got the idea where it looked cool to ride a motorcycle everywhere Perry King got to do this in the film without Sly yeah they spend the whole day together literally from dawn to dusk and they're kissing by the end of the date Chico wants more looks like Jane and Chico had a really fun time together. And it, he took her home, and she got home by nighttime, and they just kissed each other goodbye. There you go. That was that scene. So I guess Chico's making no bones about it that he's kind of dating Jane, and he's dating Annie. Because Annie mentions later in the film that he, she, she knows that he's dating Jane. What's the matter, Chico? <laughs> really, don't you want to see me anymore? <laughs> Like a real hyena, Chico. <laughs> well, you know, if you get tired of Little Miss White Bread, you could give me a <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure this movie deserves the <laughs> scene by scene. <laughs> I don't know what to do here, guys. I'm just... Okay, well, this is a big scene because now we have Sly chewing. Look, guys, he's chewing on his match. Watch the match. Watch the match. He's oh, chewing. Yeah. yeah, he's chewing on his match. And now Franny, sorry, yeah, Franny is telling yes, telling, is telling Stanley that she's pregnant. Stanley's like, well, are you sure it's mine? What about all the other guys you sleep with? I'm late. What? My friend. I'm a month late with my friend. What friend is that, Fran? Stanley, I'm pregnant. That rubber band didn't work. What are you going to do? Tell me where the guy is and I'll kill him, Frank. What are you going to do? I mean, I'm going off. What do I got to do? What do I got to do? Well, we're going to have to engagement in the Brooklyn Eagle next week. No, Frank, no way. You, you. It seems like they're pretty, uh, they're pretty open. Everyone seems to be pretty open about dating and sleeping around with other people. The 50s, man. Actually, that was before, like, the sexual revolution. Wasn't that the 60s? So people weren't weren't really doing this kind of stuff. Weren't, weren't people more, um, like, shy and reserved back in the 50s? I think that's the glorified, sanitized version of the 50s. I actually think the 50s were a lot more rough 
than I think history tells us. And I have no experience because I wasn't alive. Some errors of our history get sort of sanitized and put on a pedestal, and that wasn't the reality. Mm-hmm. Well, Frank says she's pregnant because the rubber band didn't work. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's that about? How graphic do we want to get here? <laughs> the rubber band was for him, for Stanley, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. see any other way it could work. Okay, so, so you cut off the blood supply, and so maybe it wouldn't. I, I don't get all the way out? No, I kind of feel like you were doing it between um, the torpedo, for lack of a better word, and the... Um, torpedo tube? <laughs> like, you know how, like, if you wanted to uh, prevent a water balloon from leaking, you would tie it off? Is that what they were thinking? Th- that was my takeaway. Who knows? And I- this is a podcasting low point for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all, of, all of us. It sounds painful, whatever it is. Craig, hang in there, brother. Franny says that she's pregnant. Stanley goes, you're pregnant. I'm not. You. You're the one who's pregnant, not me. You. Why me, Franny? Why not some of these other guys? Huh? You know there's nobody else. Yeah, I know. I know. I was like, oh, wow. that's uh... He actually says one of the worst digs I've ever heard a character say in one of these films. How come you couldn't be pretty? Damn. Why aren't you pretty? I missed that one. What's interesting is Franny, the actress, she's very attractive. Like I, yeah, think she, yeah. I, I think she, like she's my type. I don't know. I think she's quite attractive. Uh, maybe it's maybe the uh, that New York talk kind of thing is is, a, is something unique to me as a Western Canadian. But uh, I find her and Annie actually both actresses are actually quite attractive in their own right. I mean, they're played up to look differently a little bit. You know, what do you call it? You know, I don't want like to use the word inappropriate words. I got to use a bad word, okay? I got to use a bad word. Whore. <laughs> Whore. <laughs> it's from Rocky. Yes. It's not Ryan saying this that's about right. these I know. young what? ladies. Oh, man, what? Ryan said, Craig, why do you have this new host on your Slycast podcast? I don't like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and play Rocky. Yeah. Stream the movie already. But look at her here. I think she's quite attractive, don't you think? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. No, same same here. She wants him to marry her, right? Yes. Now, knowing how this movie ends, I guess the spoiler alert for anyone. <laughs> she's not pregnant. So she Ugh. uses she uses the pregnancy scare to get these girls, the heroes of this story, and actually my favorite actors or my favorite characters in the story are the two girls. They were actually the best part of the film. Whatever this film is, they're the best part. All right. Whatever that I'll means. Be- I'll believe you. Craig, do you, um, have, do you have a favorite part? Um, when it says the end, <laughs> your point about the female actors in this movie is spot on. But I got to say, we don't see a lot of them in this movie, but you can understand why Henry Winkler went on to have the career that he had. <laughs> Did you see uh, right at the end of the scene when Stallone, when uh, Stanley sets up this pull shot, he completely whips on it? <laughs> yeah, I think that was intentional, but it was good. I hope it was intentional. I don't know if it was, man. I don't know if it was intentional. That's true. Maybe it was a flub. But look, guys, he's got the match in his mouth, and he's smoking. Right? Look, right there. Match and a cigarette. All right. All right. That's funny. Have you ever seen that before, ever in a film? Is that the match he just lit a cigarette with, or is that a new match? It's it's an unused match. Wow. I will say that Sly's performance, notwithstanding the terrible quality of the movie he's actually acting it's not that bad it's for a first time-ish type role like you can see where the charisma was captured by some people in the early days 
Yeah, I, I do like his part in this, even though he's you know, kind of a jerk. More Chico crap. Yeah, so Ch- well, Chico's the main character, and Chico is now wearing a pink shirt, salmon color shirt, ready to go on his uh, date with Jane. Which and it turns out the date that he's got coming up with Jane is a babysitting gig with uh, Jane and the younger sister, mm-hmm. while the parents go out to the uh, some military function. This is the first time here when we get an inkling that Jane isn't completely all in on Chico. No, she enjoyed the first date. She sees with this date with Chico in the house with the parents when the parents go out to the to the military function or whatever dance or dinner that Chico mm-hmm. is all about getting it on with her and she doesn't feel safe with that. It also doesn't help that the eight year old sister is watching them. Yeah, little creepy. You know they're making out and she, and she says that he makes her nervous. Right. And yeah. he he takes offense to that. You know it's just that you make me very nervous sometimes, Chico. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I wouldn't make you so nervous if I wasn't here. Okay. Yeah, and there's also a, a great, genuine uh, line of dialogue in the in this scene where he says, "I love you," and she asks him what color her eyes are. What color are my eyes? Purple. That was a really good moment. I mean, it's it's a genuine moment. Mm-hmm. It kind of illustrated her desire to see how invested in her she was i mean something as simple as knowing what color your partner's eyes are it was a, a really genuine moment in a pretty lousy movie and i remember that being a thing back in the 90s back in the 90s when i when i was growing up you know and i had my first girlfriend and everything you know she would ask me stupid little questions like that to see if i'm paying attention to her or if i'm really into her or if i'm just into I thought that too because it's showing her that maybe she does like this guy a little bit but she's kind of sensing and maybe rightfully so that Chico's just trying to literally get under her skirt and she's like you say you love me but you don't even know anything about me so it's yeah Mm -hmm. kind of exposes Chico a little bit alright now we're at a scene here where Franny and Annie are discussing the future engagement to Stanley by picking out a ring the ring that they pick out to buy the one they fall in love with is $1600 in 1958 Great. I want to hear what this is worth in today's dollars. It's insane. And in fact, I actually Googled like the, what the guy – I did a lot of homework here, guys. I Googled what the guy said about it being the baguettes and the platinum and the one and a half carat. Like I just Googled that ring today, what would come up. And not only is it the same price with the inflation, so it's accurate. So the price of that ring was accurate for that time because it stands today to be the same price with the inflation, if that makes sense. So – Yes. Okay. So drum roll, please. I have it written down. Give me a sec. Okay, I can't find it. It's $16,000. <laughs> wow. Sorry, 14 oh, yeah, wow. yeah, sorry, $14,000. And then he's sorry, $14,000 today's money. That's a lot of money. So for them to, to for them to look at a ring that costs 14 grand, in what way shape or form would they think that a 18-year-old high school student would have Do you know any 18-year-old high school students today that have 14 grand? In their pocket, any adults that have fourteen grand to blow on a ring—that not ones that live in Flatbush. No, no. Later in the movie, they put Stanley in a very uncomfortable. You know, I think there's a part of him that did want to marry this girl, but she says this marriage is worth fourteen grand of a ring, and it was marked down from twenty-one grand, is what it worked out to be. So all right. that's a lot of money. All, all I'm saying is for them to say that, that like, it just shows the ridiculousness of their own behavior. Saying, "Oh yeah." 14 grand, he's good for it. He can just get a job working 9 to 5. You know how long it would take you to pay off 14 grand? 
Oh, oh uh, hello. Are you Mr. Birnbaum of Birnbaum Brothers? No, I'm the son. Can I help you? Um, yes, you can. We'd like to see that ring, please. Who's it for? It's for my friend here. Is this the one? That's it. Oh. It's a beautiful ring. Come on, try it on. Oh, oh Annie, look. Oh, Annie. that is just oh. gorgeous. That is the most stunning thing I have ever seen oh, in my it's whole so life. Oh, it's look gorgeous. Look. Oh, I've got to have it. Definitely. It's me. I know. Annie, it's really me. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my whole life. What is Stanley going to say? I just tell him to get a job from 9 to 5. Don't worry. Yeah, but then he's not going to be able to go to college. Uh, excuse me, but how much is that ring? See, this is our one and a half carat marquee setting with the two baguettes. $1,600. $1,600? Uh, that is including the baguettes, of course. Of course. Annie, um, do you have a layaway plan here? Yes, we do. Well, that's good. Annie. Um, well, what time are you open to? We're open till nine every night. Um, well, could you put that ring away for us, and we'll be back and pick it up? Of course I can. Okay, now, don't sell it to no, anyone else. No, I won't sell it to anybody else. Okay, okay, we'll definitely be back. Oh, looking for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. See you later. So, yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so... I to say. Chico's all mad about the date not working out. He, he leaves her to finish babysitting. So he goes to the malt shop. Actually, actually Ryan, I, yeah. I just Googled real quick. The average price of a home in 1958 was $10,000, and the average income was 4650 So Jesus. that ring would cost a quarter of the average income. And he wasn't working. He was a high school student. Look at these guys at the table here. Don't they oh, look God. 17? <laughs> no, they really don't. None of them do. I don't understand this punch-for-punch punch thing either. Okay, so what happened here? So we're at the malt shop, all four guys, and Henry Winkler is now in the movie for almost really for the first time. He's been in one scene where they're catcalling the girls at the beginning, and he's now in the scene with them 35 minutes into the film to, again. So he wasn't in the film for half an hour at this point. So Chico truly is the star of the show. This is pre-Happy Days. Not much, for, not, not much pre, but this is before Happy Days. Yeah, and this has to be the scene that Sly referenced rehearsing with, with Richard Gere, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, uh, maybe. Where they got a little physical. They're asking Chico, how did the date go? Tell us, you know, kiss and tell. What was she like? What were her lady parts like? They want to know. So they're talking like 17-year-olds, but they're not talking like 28-year-olds. Hey, what's it to you, man? Hey, man, did you tell her uh, we all share and share a like around here? You know? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I didn't happen to mention you guys. You, you know, didn't, just, uh, oh. didn't come up in the conversation. You didn't tell her about us? Not even oh, me, Chico. Oh, oh, oh. What are you, a loser? <laughs> about me? That means you get your hands on those lemons. Lemons? Grapes. Grapes. Pits. 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 So it's hard for me as a viewer of the show to separate the dialogue with the physical nature of these men. <laughs> and Chico's not giving anything up because, A, nothing happened, but he's too embarrassed to admit that nothing happened. And Stanley, Sly's character, is like, "Come on, man, tell me. I'll tell you stuff that I've done, and we'll uh, we'll we'll trade we'll trade lewd stories with each other. But you got But I want to hear yours or whatever. But we're gonna fight for it. And whoever wimps out first with this punching contest, I'll punch you in the arm. You punch me in the arm. And the first one to tap out, you know, has to lay out all the uh, lewd story, uh, lurid stories of your girl." Oh, man. What you do? 
Yeah. So what do you want? You want to get your rocks off in my days? Oh. Uh oh. Come on. I'm get you said that. Man. Yeah. Well, you got your own little pepperoni, man. Oh. Chico. Why don't we trade hits? Hey, come on, man. Chico, why don't, why don't we trade hits, okay? Huh? Come on. Wait a minute. We trade hits, and uh, if you lose, you tell me everything. Yeah. What if I win? <laughs> God, I'm leaving if you win. I'm leaving town if you win. I wouldn't pack if I were you. Come on, Chico. Hey, Chico. Chico. Oh, no, 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 no. My money is on Chico. Oh, Come on, Chico. However, oh, man, I just don't want to mess up your hair, you know? I think after I get fixing it. I'll tell you what, Chico, I'm going to take off my ring so I don't hurt you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I'm going to hurt you. Listen, Chico, when it's over, I want your bike. I'll take good care of it. You want to take it all oh. away. So that's what happened here. But they're, they end up just being angry at each other in general because they're both kind of alpha males and they want to be the leader of this uh, rat pack pool gang. That's about what I got from here. And that's Sly, yeah. that's Sly taking out his anger on Richard Gere. <laughs> but I thought this was going to get real, but then it doesn't. It's just a big old damn love fest. You know what the most interesting thing in this scene is? Is the Coca-Cola ad that doesn't have a Coca-Cola on it. It's got a pe- like a piece of cake. <laughs> That's awesome. I just saw it. Like, uh, <laughs> That's great. So when they were punching each other in the arm, it looks like they were hitting um, each other pretty good there. It, yeah, it does. And then like they, it gets real for a second, but then, you know... Stanley scoops up Chico, and then they laugh and have a grand old time. And the girls come in, and yeah, so the girls guys walk decide in. that the party's over. Yeah, the girls walk in, and Annie goes to Chico and is like, "Hey, Chico, you're not calling me anymore. You don't want to hang out anymore. I know you're banging or trying to bang other girls, but I'm still here if you want me." Chico's like, "No, I really got this thing for Jane right now. Sorry, I'll, I'll come back to you if it doesn't work out with Jane." But they do this thing where he's just like looking around, giggling. When she's trying to get an answer out of him, and like there, there's too many long pauses where yes. there's nothing happening. There are a lot of weird pauses. This is I chalk it up to bad editing, not just bad writing. But there's times where the actors or the characters or both. I don't know which. Uh, they're just looking at each other, laughing. I'm like, what are you guys laughing at? Yeah. What, what's so funny? This movie clocks in at an hour and twenty four minutes. Can you imagine you take away some of those moments of silence between characters? It would have a running time shorter than Death Race 2000, which is probably Sly's shortest movie. Where does that come in? And, uh, That's like under an hour and 20 minutes. You should have done that one anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Can't Kitty handle another heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> Party of Kitty instead versus Death Race. Come on. I, I already know what we're going to be talking about. Craig, I don't want to lose you as a as a co-host. We need you. We need you for the show. You're you're an integral part of these conversations. I, I can't Ugh. lose you. The girls come in. They talk to their boys, and Stanley and Franny are talking about their marriage or their engagement or whatever coming up or or what have you. Annie says that she wants to leave, but Stanley says you can't leave till I tell you. He goes now. Okay, now you can go. Let's go, Franny. Oh, I tell him to go. Can go. Bye, Stanley. It was really nice spending time with you again. And so when they leave, he laughs like it's just, again, like it's a big joke. He acts really tough, but when the people are out of sight that he's acting tough with, whether it was the guy in the suit at the pool hall or his girlfriend or or fiance, he then just laughs like it's a big joke. It's like, I'm tough and I'm a jerk, 
But when the people that I'm a jerk to are gone, the biggest act or the biggest prank they've ever pulled, I'm like, I don't get why it's that funny, dude. Like, you're just acting like a jerk. They're not in on the joke. They just think you're a jerk. I, again, have nothing to say. Okay. Now, here's a, here's an <laughs> integral scene coming up here because we have Jane leaving the school. The guys are, hey, Chico, your girl's leaving, your girl's leaving. And they find out that she's going to another guy. This guy's from a different high school. He's got, like, a prep jacket, a nice car. And she drives away with this guy from a different school in a car. And they're like, well, in order for us three to help Chico, our buddy, to score Jane again, we need to get him a car. The motorcycle's not enough. That's their reasoning. And the way that they're going to get a car, guys, is they're going to steal a car, hotwire car, from an auto garage shop. You know what Chico really needs? Chico needs a car. Yeah. Yeah. Wanna steal a car? Yeah. I can hotwire any car in the world. You steal it, I'll hotwire it. Oh, right, I can drive any car in the world. Don't you worry, Chico! Hey, you guys find a car and I'll start it. The car ain't been built that I can't start. Let me check out this garage. Yeah. I hope Chico appreciates this. Yeah. Man, good. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is literally the storyline. Am I missing anything here? No, it's a no. real bad kid gang land type yeah. thing to do. So their buddy doesn't have a car. So they're like, well, in order for our buddy to, to get a good with Jane, we got to get him a car. So we're going to steal one. And the whole gag is that they're going to hotwire a car, but it turns out that the car that they're hotwiring has keys in the ignition. Well, uh, you lied! I lied! I seen him once on movie. I thought I might be able to do it. I lied. Damn it, we're counting on you. You're, you're lying! Oh, God damn, who's on, whose idea was it? Your idea was your idea. All right, keep it down, that was sure. that was the joke. Oh, that's a joke. Yeah, I think the idea was they go oh. through. All, the idea oh, was they go through this whole like five minute stealth scene. They're in a garage. Mm. A guy's working on a car under the car. They sneak in, and the mechanic sees them take off. And he's kind of like, I don't care that you're. St-. The whole gag was the mechanic that's there doesn't care that they're stealing the car. The car has keys, and. Yeah. Oh man, I missed that. I missed the the humor in that. Craig, <laughs> I, I wasn't laughing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so the uh, you asked for this, fans. You asked yeah. for this. Now the reason why they're taking a car is because in the future part of the movie here, Chico gets another date with Jane. It's to take her to the drive-in. That's the whole idea. You can't go to a drive-in with a motorcycle. That's a, one of the questions, one of the few notes that I had about this. So she said that he makes her nervous, and he got pissed and stormed out. Right. Next time she, she sees him, she completely ignores him and goes with the frat boy. He gets a car, and all of a sudden they're out together again? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Well, his mom gives him $10. Again, I worked this out. That's $100 in today's money. All right. That's Which, good for uh, Night at the movies. That's almost what you need between the movie tickets and the popcorn that and the gas. That's yeah. about a hundred bucks. The mom is there at this. Uh, they're playing mahjong or something. Yep. Yeah, something like that. And her mom's got like six friends over there, and they all just heckle and and gawk over Chico. They say, "Oh, check out the cleft in your chin. Oh, aren't you a strapping young lad? Oh, if it doesn't work out with her, come back to us." And the 
Can I have ten bucks? Oh, what are you going to do with ten dollars? You got a good way to have daughters. Same old story all the time. Where you get Is she a nice girl? Is she worth ten dollars? Ten. Maybe you want to take out my daughter? She's beautiful. When are you going to call my husband? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And that would be a good one. Be back by eleven thirty. Well, if you don't get finished with this, yeah. Come on, Mark. Have a good time. Enjoy. All right, have a piece of pineapple. No, that's okay. Thanks. Good night, David. Good night. Night. Well, with all the talking around here, how can you remember what you're playing? They're just like... <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, lonely housewives. So he's driving the stolen car to the drive-in. Did you catch the movie they were watching at the drive-in? From Here to Eternity. Which came out five years before the events of this film. Was it common for... What? Yeah, it came out in 53 in real life. Oh, 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 okay. Sorry. Yeah, so within the world of this movie, this picture... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did movies last that long in the drive-in? Do you guys know about that? If movies were five years running in the drive-in? They could have been been revivals. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no VHS back then or rentals, so, yeah. Yeah, I think revivals were pretty popular. Or it could have been a double feature where you got an old film and a new film. But the idea here is there's scenes that they saw from, from here to eternity kind of paralleled their date in the car, which again, just Chico just starts making out with her, you know, they're Netflix and chilling and he gets down to her bra and she actually takes it off. And his whole pickup line throughout this whole, uh, seduction sequence is, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Trust me. Mm-hmm. You trust me? Trust me. Trust me. She goes, yeah, do you trust me? She goes, mm-hmm. She's giggling. So he's like, okay, green light. And he goes, do you trust me? And at some point she says, no. <laughs> what is the trust that he is giving her? He asked her like six goddamn times. Yeah. It's annoying. I don't care. I don't care what the trust is. What is she answering? I think the editor fell asleep and was supposed to cut after the first one and then realized that nobody would give a shit and just moved on. <laughs> the director is in the back saying, ask her again. Yeah. No, we'll use one of these takes. Just keep asking her. Well, she goes, did you miss me? And he's like, no. Did you miss me? So she's insinuating that there was a time that they weren't together because she was dating this guy for a different high school. They're very fast and loose with uh, seeing other people. Okay. Then we have a sequence here where the four guys, question, three of the Lords of Flatbush are singing with their geeky friend, Mr. Cohan. I think his name's actually last name Cohan. It's Crazy Cohen, isn't it? Yeah, Crazy Cohen, that's right. Is that what they call you, Craig? Crazy Cohen. I've been called that before, yes. It's one of these moments in the film where we see the three of them can sing okay, can sing pretty good, and that's why they're doing this, to fill time. And Sly is doing the low baritone, and I think Sly has always fancied himself or always has wanted to be a singer, and he just can't. But he somehow finds himself singing in films, whether it's Rhinestone or the Rocky films. He always finds himself singing at Paradise some Alley. Yeah. Knowing
does anyone want to explain why he does that? Why he insists on trying to be a singer? Because his brother Frank is yeah. an excellent singer, and I think it probably bothers him, and he wants to show Frank that he's, you know, better than him at, at that as well. Going to comment on Frank too. I think they're competitive as brothers. Well, Frank wins as a singer hands down. I mean, nobody's going to debate that. Still, nothing to you know, snicker at. No, he's got money. I, I don't have. He's got more money and um, followers on Twitter than I'll ever have. <laughs> and and, he, and I got to say this: that Frank, you know, he's got some good performances in movies as well. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a really, really small part in Tombstone, which I think is really good. I don't think he ever really tried to be a full-time actor, but he's got some abilities. Agreed. And uh, I hope to one day speak to Frank. Well, I hope to speak to Sly as well, but I just don't think that's ever going to happen. I met Frank a couple of years ago oh. at a convention. You know, I got to talk to him for quite a few minutes. He was a nice, engaging guy. I have a picture somewhere. I'll see if I can dig it up and, and post it for you guys. Awesome. Please do. So we have our one little acting sequence here with Henry Wrinkler when he's told by the malt shop owner, Eddie. What's his name in this film? Butchie. Butchie. You know, Butchie, I can tell that you're a smart guy and you're hanging out with these bums. And when you have coconut friends, you become a coconut. Yeah, yeah, that's basically what the guy's saying. Yep. Hey, Eddie. Why do you think we spend so much time in this stinking place? Must be my egg creams. Yeah, I guess so. Butchie, uh... You mind if I, uh, stick my two cents in worth where it don't belong? Can I stop you? You sure you don't mind me butting in? Eddie, as long as you don't come over here and give me a great big kiss, anything goes. Well, that's what I mean. That's exactly it. What? You're a wise guy. Me? Yeah, I ain't no genius, but I'm smarter than you because you're a schmuck. Oh, is that it? I mean, are you finished? No, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> you're a schmuck because you got brains. Not a lot. But you got brains and you wasted them. Oh, don't stop now, man. You're just getting hot. I ought to be taking notes. All right, forget it. No, 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 don't forget it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home tonight, Eddie, and I'm going to paint you a masterpiece. You know what I think? I think that this little talk tonight has done me a world of good. Get the hell out of here. Eddie. I'm going to do something wonderful with my life. And I owe it all to you. Hey, Eddie. Good night. Here we are like an hour into the movie and we get a butchy storyline. It comes out of nowhere and it doesn't amount to anything. Nowadays, if you're going to put this in here, then at the end, Butch is going to leave the gang and go off and do something with his life. But useless character. Everybody's useless character because there is nothing. (laughs) There is no character arc that's closed. None. We're back to the drive in and she takes off her bra. You see that? And the camera actually pans down to show you that her bra has come down. But the lighting's so terrible, you don't see anything. So what's the point of teasing the audience like that? I don't know. <laughs> Cameraman took a shot. There's no nudity or cursing in this film. There's one S word in the film. That's it. I'm surprised that you looked that closely at it. I just noticed. I was, cause I was wondering how adult this film would be. Because it deals with, you know, adult type. It never sees anything all the way through. Craig, you pointed out before about filling time, too, with the dead silences and stuff. The beginning of this scene is another part because we watched about two minutes of From Here to Eternity before they, <laughs> before they go back to Chico and whatever, Susie or whatever her, her name is. Well, the sequence was 
the two characters from Here in Eternity um, uh, making love on the beach. And I think that was Chico's signal to like, hey, what you see on screen, we could do in the car if you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now she's putting her clothes back on, crying. He's like, why are you? And he's like, and I, I kind of get his frustration. He's like, what is going on here? You come on a date with me, and then you start getting undressed. You put your clothes back on. What's going on? And then she says, well, I just don't want to be another one of your floozies. Trust me. Don't cry, hey, what's the matter? What's the matter? Tell me, what's the matter? Don't you like us together? Well, tell me, what is it? I don't know. Tell me. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, well, I want to talk about it. Would I, would I hurt you or something? Come on, tell me what it is. I want to talk about it. You're so beautiful. Come on. Look, I don't want to be just another... What? I don't want to be that. What? Chico, I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. Tell me. Look, I just don't want to be just another... I don't want that. Never seen a broad get so upset in a movie before. That's fair. But I think Chico's a virgin. That's also fair. Because we kind of got that with his, uh, you know, early, you know, I think he's chasing sex. I don't think he's ever had it. Hey, guys, I got to go throw up. I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, yeah, please take your time. <laughs> I thought you'd be serious there. No, this is all pointless and. You know, <laughs> let's. Do you think any of our listeners have gotten this far? Probably not. This is going to be one of the worst listened to episodes. One of the least. Craig probably Craig might have really left. <laughs> he maybe he was not feeling well. He might. He seemed a little bit off. Craig, are you throwing up for real? Oh, <laughs> okay. We'll keep. We'll so, yeah, let's. I don't think Craig is is missing anything here. No, we'll keep. So going they course. they have another fight. They have another fight and and they leave. Right. Yeah. This is uh what three strikes in a row. Now, this scene coming up here, so Chico's had a bad, no, third date, bad date with Jane. It has not gone well. He goes over to Butchie's house, and Butchie is writing in his journal, you know, because now he got that talk from Eddie. Here's one of these out-of-focus mm-hmm. scenes here. Look how out-of-focus this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Chico's like, hey, I want to talk to you, brother. You know, you're the sensitive one in the group, the one who's intelligent. Look, I want you to hear my thoughts about uh, Jane and what have you. But if I had watched this scene not knowing anything about this film, I swear these two guys had a thing for each other. Lovers? Well, it looks like Henry Winkler's character, Butchie, ironically, <laughs> is kind of <laughs> is kind of got a thing. Look at look how he sits and how he talks to Chico. What'd you do tonight? Some very special What'd you do? I took Jane uh, to the driver. What'd you get? Hey, do you want to help me dump the car? Come on, help me dump the car, okay? It is late. Tomorrow. We pissed off. Unsuspecting me. Who's pissed off? I'm not pissed off. What's with you, man? Nothing. 
Jane. Want to talk about it? Well, there isn't, uh, there's much to say. I mean, what can I say? If you got nothing to say, I can go to sleep. Okay. It's very bizarre to me. This whole scene, too, because I think it's an attempt at a really sentimental scene between two friends where, you know, a tough guy like Chico is going to open up to his sensitive friend, Butch. <laughs> Again, ironic. <laughs> but I find nothing between these two guys. There's no chemistry or feeling that these two are good friends. No. The whole thing looks forced. But look how he's sitting. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just seems. Oh, man. Is he, he is manspreading. <laughs> It's Henry Dinkler. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think there was a rumor going around too a long time ago that Henry Winkler was gay. I think it's just his his mannerisms. By the way, let me just say, Henry Winkler, gay or not, obviously we don't care. We don't care at all. He's a great person in real life. Totally, and it, and it was funny when I was watching this to see how Henry Winkler has sort of aged gracefully. Whereas, you know, we see what, you know, how Stallone's presenting himself at, you know, 70 plus years of age. It's an interesting contrast. Just age. And they're the it's okay. same age? They're both the same age. Yes, they are. Yeah. Mm. Both are 73. Now, granted, Sly has a, you know, a stronger, more physiqued body than Henry does. I just saw Henry Winkler on the Conan O'Brien show recently promoting a children's book that he's writing, which is really cool. It's okay to get old. Like, there's no shame in that. Have you guys seen the, um, have you seen that show Barry? That Henry Winkler's on? No, but I've heard it's quite good, though. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's basically about a a hitman played by Bill Hader who goes to L.A. on a job and decides to become an actor. And Henry Winkler plays an acting coach who's sort of kind of scammy. Two seasons so far, really worth watching. Watch that instead of, you know, putting your eyes on Lords of Flatbush for an hour and 24 minutes. This is actually the best scene in the film. Well, here they are. You're the happy couple. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, we came for it. Let me get it. You know something, Stanley? You've got the best girl in all of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, I know. You do. <gasps> Look at that ring. Oh, Stanley, couldn't you just picture that on her finger? Isn't this a beauty? Yeah, let me try it on. I want you to know something about this ring. <gasps> it's an investment in the future. Oh, Oh, Stanley, isn't it beautiful? This is the ring I want in my life. Stanley, you know, they grow more valuable in time. Wait a minute, Tell me something about this ring. Well, it's a one and a half carat marquee in a platinum setting. Two baguettes. It's a beauty. No, 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 no. Tell me about it. Oh, $1,600. 16 Hey, Birnbaum, you got something else over there? Say something about the same size. Do you have something like that? Huh? Yeah, I'll try. I'll look. Let's get out of here. Stanley, we could do it on the layaway plan. Stanley, you could even have them consign. I don't want nothing on consignment, Annie. Tell me again, how much is it? How much is everything? The other ring? This, this yeah, the ring she has. It. This ring is um, $1,600. It's marked down from $2,200, and it's a steal. It's a beautiful ring. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. 
I'll get you an ID bracelet or something, all right? You cheap. You are so cheap, Stanley. Hey, hey, meatball, why don't you go and wire your hair? You know, I'm, I'm saving for I'm saving for a car. You're I'm saving, saving for a car. For a car. You know, right. that's all you ever I'm think of is money, money, money. You know something? I don't think I'm going to even let you marry oh, my girlfriend. Hey, shut up! Hey, listen to me, daddy -o. Listen to me. Hey, you got, you got one of those rings, uh, the thing you take out for 10 days and you bring back... I don't Ten days, you know, like the car I want there. it forever. You know what I mean? The ten Stanley. day ring. Do you have one back there? I love you. Buy me that ring. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I have what you want. I take ten percent. It's hundred sixty dollars. I don't even ninety. Let me take the ring outside and, and look at it in the dark or something. Hey, will you see? Stanley. Oh, that is so beautiful. Take, take the ring out. See if it touches glass. Beautiful, right? This has to have had some Stallone yes. uh, dialogue tweaking as well, right? I agree. So if this is the only scene you saw in the film, and you're like, oh, okay, we might have something here. It's well done as Sly plays between his fiancée-to-be and the fiancée, so Annie and Franny. And so he's in between these two girls. He's looking at the ring. He realizes how much it costs and how much it means to his soon-to-be fiancée. When they leave the store with the ring, the $14,000 ring of today's money, I like A, there's no paperwork exchange. <laughs> yeah. B, when Sly's character comes back into there and says, if Listen to me. Listen to me, Daddy all. So the girl just walked out of there. So you ever show me a $16,000 ring again? You know what's going to be written on your tombstone? Huh? You know what's going to be written on your tombstone? I, w I was dumb enough to show Franny Melancolico a $1,600 ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. What, do me a favor. Why don't you go outside and run your teeth on the curb? Do me a favor, would Very you? Very funny, Don't Stanley. Don't talk ha, to ha, her ha. like that, Stanley. What do you think? She's one of the boys on the corner? Oh, but the writing? She's my best friend, and she's going to be my maid of honor. That's right, Stanley. Who ever heard of maid of honor arriving on a broom, huh? <laughs> I want that ring, Stanley. I got a ring for you, Franny. I got a ring for you. Around my bathtub. <laughs> I have that ring here. Best line in the movie. <laughs> so that's the sly humor. I think that's your sly slash humor that he brings into the Rocky character with the jokes. I think we see some early indications of what he, the humor that he likes to... Basically, the dad jokes, really. Yeah. Have you ever seen these girls we're in? They're the dark horse of the movie. They're quite good. They played the New York talking yeah. girls quite well. There might not have been too much acting going on here, too, and that's no disrespect meant to anybody involved. No, sure. Yeah, it's probably pretty close to, I mean, to them in real life. So they quote unquote buy the ring. He puts on a layaway or whatever it is, and he had to put down a deposit of uh, $60, which, again, today's money, I think it was like uh, eight or $900 deposit. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I don't know how he's able to afford that, but I guess he did because he walked out with the ring. Jane has given up on Chico completely, has gone back to the high school dude who has another car now. He's got two different cars. He goes back to the other high school dude from Lincoln. Chico sees this, gets totally pissed off. He goes back to his buddies and says, we got to go beat this guy up. Mr. Borchay, you, you interested in a little uh, entertainment, man? What kind of entertainment? Like uh, putting your fist through somebody's face, man? Whose face? Arnie Levine, that's who, man. Oh, hey, Levine. that's who, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Time for Stanley, what about you? What about you? You got to do it today? Yeah, man. I need it right now, man. I need you. Come on now. Where is he? He's down the football. You're not going. You promised me. 
Am I missing anything? All right. No. Okay. Unfortunately not. And Franny's mad because Franny's like, we just got engaged. Now you're going to go do some criminal activity, like a physical assault. And Stanley's like, I want to tell you something. Don't have to tell me what to do. And don't ever tell me what not to do. You understand me? Do you? And there's a whole sequence of them hard charging to, I guess, the high school where this guy is. The four guys are walking to the high school. They're mad as hell. They're going to beat up the guy that Jane went to when Jane doesn't want to be with Chico. So essentially they're pissed off because Jane doesn't want to date Chico. That's <laughs> why is Stanley kind of like <laughs> leading the charge? How about you just showed it, Ryan? Yeah. yeah. Wimpy falling when he, when they're walking down the hill and you can tell they're all trying not to laugh. The actors aren't trying to laugh. <laughs> so they get to this high school. They got what looks like the football team is practicing football. The four Lords of Flatbush, they walk through the football practice and Stanley is just pissed as hell. I'm not sure why he's so angry. They get to the school and they call out Jane's boyfriend from inside the school. I'm in the beat! Get your ass out here! Hey, you homo fairies dancing in there? Hey, you guys coming out? Hey, we gotta come and get you! Hey, this time you're gonna lose your balls for real! Get out here, you scumbag! Stay back. Watch me. I do, Levine! Okay, so we're going to think this is going to be a big fight. It turns into a Monty Python-esque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see it. Craig, are you... Are you, are you so, Sorry, I was just getting my, I'm just getting all my tax stuff ready for uh, when it's time to file taxes. <laughs> so Buddy comes out and says, well, "Who wants me?" And she goes, "Like I want you. I'm going to beat the crap out of you." So they start fighting, but then the Lords of Flatbush get involved too. But then the football players get involved, and some people are blocking the fight. Some people are helping the fight, and then the Lords of Flatbush realize, "Wait a minute, we've t- we, you know there's only four of us, and we've taken on the whole high school." So they realize we're outnumbered, you know, literally 20 to 1. So they take off in this Monty Python-esque chase to the woods. And we're supposed to believe it's real danger. Henry Winkler's character gets hit by a car. <laughs> oh, my God. And he took a hit. Was that Winkler or do you think that was a stunt guy? Because his head's kind of turned. Well, if Winkler can jump a shark, he can. <laughs> <laughs> Point. I, I completely blocked this whole scene out. I forgot about this totally. I thought again, like, okay, we're going to have a dramatic moment here. Uh, Butchie's going to die. Yeah, which would kind of um, cliche. be a, a tragic figure. A tragic figure. He was smart enough to right. do something and not be in this, tied up in this gang life, and the gang life ends up getting him killed. Exactly. But they do not go in that direction. No. He's given his little advice to Chico. He, he, you know, We see him in his room writing some notes or goals in his life that he wants to accomplish. He's going to get out of this gang when high school's over and he gets killed in a car accident from a fight that he didn't initiate, but they didn't go there. He just right. broke his, he just broke his leg. <laughs> God damn it. Now we see right, pigeon coop. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. So now we see a totally un, I don't understand anything here. So we now have Stanley literally inside of a pigeon coop and he's practicing his, soon-to-be Rocky dialogue with the animals. You want to fly me home, birds? Pigeons, you want to fly me home? Look. You know, if you eat your food, you know what's going to happen to you? You know what's going to happen? You're going to grow up to be a bald eagle. You want to be a bald eagle? Huh? Or do you want to be a squirt? What do you want to be? Huh? Oh, wow. I didn't 
Yeah, he's I didn't really put that together. Yeah, he's talking to the animals, the birds. If you eat mm-hmm. your food, you know what's going to happen. You know, you grow up to be a bald eagle. Or do you want to be a squirt? Oh, man. If I was paying attention at this point in the movie, I might have picked up on those things. This is the dialogue that we're talking about. He wrote this. All this is his. Because he uses the same dialogue when he talks to the uh, birds in the pet shop. His affinity for animals. Yeah. Now he's given this early kind of Rocky-esque type of speech about you might be trapped, like in lockup. They might have you in this prison, but you're not really in this prison. If you just imagine that you're out, then you can be like the birds flying through the air, and you're not really... It's his! Yeah. (laughs) Say that again? It's his! <laughs> it's locked, yeah, locked up. <laughs> it's his! This whole place is his! You know, when you ain't around here, like when you're out there uh, screwing around your little motorcycle, huh? You know what I do? You really want to know what I do? I come up here, I sit in my coupe, and I read. You read, man? That's right, what do yeah. you read? Uh, maps. What the hell have maps got to do with it? Maps got a lot to do with a lot of things. Listen, see, I'll figure it this way. The more maps you read, right, the more you know about where you want to go. Like, yeah. what I do is, you pick a place, okay? Any place in this whole stinking world, you pick a place, and I'll show you ain't so smart. All right, Go ahead. man, all right, uh, Tokyo. All right, Tokyo, good spot, okay? Here's what we do. First, you got to pretend you're a pigeon. Now, you look that way, and you close your eyes, okay? Now, go on. Now, pretend you're flying, and you're flying, and you're flying, you're going farther and farther and farther and farther out. Now, right here, Chico, you look down. Look down, Chico. Do you see what's down there? Look what's down there, Chico. Look, look. Yeah, man, I see look. what's down there. I what? see pigeon shit. Oh, come on, man. Listen to me. Do you want to do it or not? Yeah, yeah. all right. Now, there is a scene coming up here where he's talking about being a bird and flying over Japan. And uh, he gets angry okay. and he says, you know what you see when you fly over Japan? And he says, it, and I can't even repeat it. I, w- I won't. And I'm going to play it for our podcast listeners but i will edit the word because i again i won't have it on the feed but size character refers to the japanese a derogatory term that you would call chinese people <laughs> mm-hmm. and i'm going to play the dialogue and our audience will now hear it now you're a pigeon okay all right now shut your eyes you come on Watch me. You're going and you're flying and you're flying. You're going over the mountains. You're going over the ocean. And your arms are getting tired and you're going farther and farther. Now, right here, Chico. Right here. Look down, man. Look down. Do you see what's down there? Do you know what that means, man? You're in Tokyo, man. We're in Tokyo. No, man. We're not in Tokyo. We're on the roof. We're on the roof, man. Don't you see? We're not in Tokyo. I'm in Tokyo. Yeah? Yeah. Well, what's it look like, Stanley? What's it smell like in Tokyo? What's the matter, Chico, huh? Your bike broke? What's the matter Hey, with man, you, that's huh? the point now. That's the whole huh? point, man. I got a bike. I can go places, man. I can go places. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. You see, I don't need a bike to go any place, Chico. To go places. I mean, man, to really go places, you gotta have imagination. No, man. I got imagination. You can have all you the imagination you want, man. You're never gonna see no... Listen to me, that's a stinking lie. I know what I do and you don't know what I do. If I say I've been to Tokyo, I've been to Tokyo and nobody can tell me different. I'll tell you something else, Chico. I don't like you coming up here telling me what I can do all right, and what man, I can't all right, do. Alright, but I'm gonna tell you one I see more right thing, through man. you, man. I'm gonna tell you I one see more right thing, man. You're trying to make me feel bad. Don't tell me shit, man. You got that? Any thoughts, guys, on what's going on here after listening to that dialogue? I have no idea what the what the hell he's talking about. 
What are the maps, the pigeons? You know, if you're a pigeon and you're flying over Tokyo, like what is he talking about? What is this? He's saying that when you have an imagination, you're not really stuck in Flatbush. He's in Tokyo. But why he's so angry about being in Tokyo and seeing yeah, these... Yeah, why, why? he's like yelling at him. This scene is an hour and 13 minutes too late. Right. Like, I'm not going to start giving a shit about you, Sly. All right. But we're definitely seeing the early Sly moments here of yelling, the yell acting that he does. Totally. It, but it's forced, though, because there, there's nothing... There's nothing, there's nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing there. There's nothing between these two characters that's really like that emotional where you can see like anger bubbling at the surface. It's just forced. The, every, all the acting in this movie is forced. And he's yelling at Chico as Chico leaves from the pigeon coop that he's going to bury Chico. <laughs> Chico! Chico! I'm going to forget that, Chico! Chico, you know why? Do you? You know why? Because if I don't forget that, you're going to be a memory, Chico! I don't just let's get this over with. He's yelling from the coop though. He's inside the pigeon. He put himself back in the pigeon coop. <laughs> yeah, inside. <laughs> well, it's almost over, guys. Thank God. So we got the wedding, right? Is that where we're... we got to close Is... the chapter on Chico and Jane? Does it really close the chapter? I don't understand. He basically tells Jane that he's a changed man. That he's basically telling Jane. I don't even want to be your friend. I don't care. You made me realize that I want to be a better man for girls, and and it won't be with you. And I want you to understand that that I'm over you, but I want to let you know that I've changed. And she doesn't want to hear it, so he just gets pissed off again and tells her to screw off. We had something between us. It was better than anything. I'm sorry if I hurt you. Yeah, I, I'm I didn't sorry. Say you I got, got hurt. hurt. I'm not talking about getting hurt. I don't care about that. I don't care whether you're sorry. I just want to tell you. Look, Chico, just can't we be friends? Can't we just be friends? It's getting late. Fine. So very late. Come on, let's ride home together. I like you a lot, and we had a good time, all right? Yeah, I'm glad we had a good time. Kiss against His intention was to tell her that he isn't the creep that she thinks he is. But she won't hear it. So how is that closure on this? Well, then I mean, he, he does the same shit that he did earlier. Yeah, we had a good time and, and uh, you know, we should just be friends. Yeah. They have an argument. He gets pissed off and walks away. They did that three other times <laughs> in this movie. They are not compatible. They're just not compatible. Let's just move on. That's it. They just hate each other. That's, that's how that ends. They just they both don't understand each other. And they Terrible. Can't, yeah. That's the ending ending. of them. They just don't love each other. They don't like each other at all. They should not be dating. And now we end with the wedding. And my friends and uh, listeners of the show, the wedding is is ripped off from The Godfather. (laughs) Totally, totally ripped (laughs) off from The Godfather. The guy you're going to hear talk to Stanley, Sly's character, is the father of Stanley. Uh, (laughs) I did it, didn't I? You got a nice little girl there. Be good to her, huh? I will, Bob. It's important. I will. But he's talking like he's a, an extra from The Godfather. It's so stupid. Why did they make this sort of this Italian mafia type feeling wedding? I don't know if you remember the the first DVD versions of the Rambo movies. 
First Blood. And DVDs in the early days had really cheesy, quote-unquote, special features. And one was an audio sort of history of Stallone. They talked about what a struggle it was for him as an actor starting out. And they said it was so tough for him, he couldn't even get a, he couldn't even get a role as an extra in The Godfather. And, and it was for that wedding scene. But I don't know if either one of you have access to that. First. Got it here. Yeah. Godfather moment. This is an outtake from The Godfather wedding. And how after everything that happened in the movie is Wimpy his best man? <laughs> I know. We're nowhere led to believe that they had that kind of relationship. Yeah. Not, nowhere. Well, we haven't even seen Wimpy in an hour and a half. I just want to wish you well. <laughs> Both of you. I want you to have a good life. So, guys, that ends the Lords of Flatbush. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> I'm glad that we made it. The fans wanted this, Craig. Just so you know, yeah. listeners, just so you know, we put this vote out. It was this or Death Race 2000, and by a landslide, people yeah. wanted us to review the Lords of Flatbush. Are they doing it to torture us? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to hear listener feedback on either Twitter or, or Facebook, you know, about what made this movie coverage worthy for them. Well, we would have had to do it either way. I'm glad it's over with now. <laughs> I covered most of the things that pissed me off about it, like the, you know, no closure on the Jane thing, no closure on the Butchie Got Brains thing. What the hell was Wimpy's purpose? No chemistry between this group of guys who were supposed to be best friends. Any of the characters really... The music sucks, too much dead air, <laughs> and is Franny pregnant or not? <laughs> None of that uh, stuff. So, uh, why couldn't you do that in the first two minutes of our recording? And we could have had, you know, a nice day to spend with our, our loved ones. <laughs> our loved ones, I know. What a waste of damn time this is. <laughs> yeah, this please. movie is the biggest piece of garbage that I ever tried to watch, and I will never watch it again. Uh, honestly, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It uh, made almost $20 million at the box office with today's inflation. Oh. Moviegoers are stupid. Yeah, it's a horrible movie. It doesn't make sense. These are the oldest teenagers in movie history. They have to be. God, I hated this movie. Craig, I think your 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 view on it is clear. <laughs> yeah, I knew before we even sat down for this. I mean, I covered this on the first episode of Slycast, so I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it twice. Oh man. <laughs> And I've listened to that episode, Craig, but I admit it's been a, a couple of years. So I like everything. I can't remember everything I've ever heard, but I, I might have to go back and listen to your thoughts on this and see how it compares to today's viewing. Uh, I love how at the end of this film, we get, we get a montage of the uh, scenes from the film that we just saw for an hour and 20 minutes. Like, had we forgotten what stills. happened? Yeah, the stills. Mm -hmm. That's right. By this awful, this terrible closing music. And it's done out of order. <laughs> <laughs> It's all over the place. The, the pictures of the film are from all over the place in the film. Uh, can we just just gracefully, while we still have our dignity, kind of just walk away from this one now? Okay, so uh, just a reminder, I'm Ryan from Going the Distance, the Rocky Series podcast, if you're hearing me on the other feeds. And again, this is a joint project that I do with... Craig and Doug from their respective podcasts. You can find us on YouTube at the Stallone Podcast Network. That's kind of like our channel, I guess you could say, but these feeds are, go on all of our feeds anyways. That channel generates some sort of traffic. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know why. Some videos have like 20,000 plus views. Some have like 50. Some have three or 4,000. So it's a really odd 
channel and the assassins continues to grow it's almost got 30,000 views people are so yeah. angry about that <laughs> <laughs> the one guy tell tell us we should go screw each other uh, in a, yeah, in a in, different language yeah, in Portuguese I had to translate it but it, I, to not be crass but he used different words but he says that we should eat each other out <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> Edited by Stan Steigl. Stan Steigl, you are on the hook for this bad editing job. Oh, he's probably dead now. Good. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. hope he. I hope he died in a car crash too. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm Doug from Rocky Minute, by the way. Uh, please don't use this as like our showcase episode. This was tough to get through. Our stuff, a collaboration that we've done in the past, is much better. Um, but my podcast is Rocky Minute. Uh, I'm found on DoingGenre.com. God, I'm exhausted. Yeah, and Doug, I look, I look forward to uh, sitting down with you guys for uh, season three. Very, very soon. Yeah, when am I coming on? For that, yeah, relax yourself. <laughs> <laughs> now we we got a few a few weeks to get to you, Ryan. Relax. We going? You already had Matt Marchand on. Which I what, did. when did you? Uh, what was his part? What was his minute? He had the opening. He had the Eye of the Tiger montage. Oh, nice. Okay. I look forward to that. Yeah. All right, guys. As always, it's a pleasure. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yesterday we laughed and played. Life was just a game that had no end. And we would do it all again. All the joy and all the pain Cause we had friends And every day was something new We fell in love and didn't know quite what to do And one day we'll feel like we never have been here One day when we're traveling down Some dusty road or unfamiliar highway Tomorrow we may go our separate ways So all of us, we drink a toast to you On this your wedding day